Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. Now God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. never produce fruit unless the harsh winds of the east and the refreshing winds of the west blow upon it. The harsh winds of the east are those desert winds that are so hot, it'll take your breath away. And then the refreshing winds come up from the Mediterranean. So cool. It's the most welcome, refreshing moment to have that breeze blow on you. But the olive tree will not produce fruit unless it has both hard times and good times. And the same is true for us. That was the voice of Lisa Turkhurst to welcome you to this Thanksgiving weekend's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio. Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons is made through a partnership with Q Ideas and Faith Radio. The holiday season is a time for a lot of family get-togethers, but for those with strained relationships, broken families, or those grieving losses, the holidays can be a difficult time. So, Gabe, this week we're going back into the archive to talk this weekend again with Lisa Turkhurst on disappointing relationships. It sounds like we're going to kind of go somewhere today, and we are, and, and where we're going is, is the reality that in our lives, we all have disappointing relationships, don't we? Whether it's with a spouse, whether it's with a parent, maybe it's with a friend or a child, there's, everybody disappoints us. It's kind of part of how sin entered this world in Adam and Eve's story and disappointing relationships, and Lisa is going to help us better understand where that comes from, but how can we see through that? How can we see what God's trying to do? in all of these relationships we experience where there is brokenness. Now, Lisa serves as the president of Proverbs 31 Ministries. Her team leads thousands of people in their walk with God online, in conferences, events. Her books are New York Times best-selling books. She's an amazing voice and authority on a lot of different topics. But here she gets personal about what does it look like to live a life where people are going to disappoint you? And how can we not just loathe that or live in that and, and, and wallow in that. But how do we see God even at work when people disappoint us? Because we know that's going to keep happening. So how can we just have the right perspective about it? So let's listen in to Lisa Turkers on disappointing relationships. an honor to be here with you to talk about this very exciting topic of disappointment. That's just exactly how you want to get your morning started, right? Do you ever get this sense that relationships should be a little better than the way they actually are? Do you ever get the sense that life should be better than the way that it is or your calling should be a little better than the way that it is, or your church should be better than the way that it is, or your neighbor should be better than the way that they are. Your children should be better than the way that they are. Everything should be 
a little better than the way that it is? Do you ever get this nagging sense? Maybe even in those moments where we see things on TV that horrify us, like in Syria or even in the United States when horrible things happen to people, unexplainable things, unfathomable things. And then your brain even dares to think to yourself, God, are you a good, good father? Because I think that should be better than what it is. You see, we all come into every single day that we live with great expectations. And then we have experiences that don't match those expectations. And it leaves us all feeling disappointed. Should things be better than the way that they are? Absolutely. You are right. They should. I think it's tempting, though, when you hear a message like this to suddenly start assigning all the other people in your life that really need to hear this message. Husbands are hoping their wives will listen to this message, right? Because maybe she's felt a little disappointed in your lack of romance lately. Or maybe you're seated next to uh, an employee that needs to have a review because their performance is not meeting your expectation and your experience of what you hoped they would bring to your organization is not it. And so you're really hoping that they hear this message on disappointment and ramp up their efforts in some way. So it's easy to start assigning all the other people that need this message, but I believe that God has us here so that we can receive this message. So look at one of the people seated next to you and repeat after me. This message is for me. I will not use it against you. Okay, now look at your second choice neighbor, and they're not at all disappointed that you didn't look at them first, right? Look at your second choice neighbor and repeat after me. This message is for me, but you need it more. Amazing. Just in case you haven't experienced a little disappointment lately, I thought I would stir it up in the room right now as I'm speaking. There's a reason why we feel disappointed. And it goes all the way back to the very, very beginning of what God created. We find in the very beginning of the Bible, set in a garden, we find Genesis 2 Starting in verse 15, and it says this, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and care for it. And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And I have this little theory that the man did not write this down. And so then the Lord said... In verse 18, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And women have been making lists ever since. Now then, the woman wasn't there when God gave this instruction. But then eventually God does create the woman. And then we find in Genesis chapter 3 that the serpent, who was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, said to the woman... 
Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Do you see how subtly Satan slivers in and is already trying to, even in the perfection of the Garden of Eden, introduce this concept of disappointment? God's instruction to Adam started out, you are free. It was a message of freedom. You are free to eat of any tree except this one. And when Satan then repeats what the instruction of God was supposed to be, he changes it from a language of freedom to a language of restriction. Instead of saying, did God really say you are free to eat from any tree except this one? The serpent says, did God really say you must not? And then the woman says back to the serpent, we may eat from any tree that is in the garden, but we must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And then she adds a little dramatic statement on the end. We must not even touch it or we will die. I don't know if Adam misinterpreted this instruction to Eve or if Eve heard it with more emotion than what Adam ever intended it. I'm not really sure exactly what happened because I wasn't there. All I know is that the woman does not repeat back to the serpent exactly the right instruction that God had given. And then we know the story. The woman takes some of the fruit and eats it. And then she gives some to her husband who was with her, and he eats it. Sin enters in, and eventually we find in Genesis chapter 3, verses 21 through 24, that God then has to banish Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. Because if they would have stayed in the Garden of Eden, they would have surely eaten from the tree of life and lived forever in their state of decay, in their state of sin and in their state of separation from the perfect presence of God. This is where our disappointments come from. Because our hearts were created for the perfection of the Garden of Eden, but we don't live there. So we live with this constant tension that perfection is possible. We live with this constant tension that the very DNA of our souls are etched with this great desire for perfection because our souls were created in the context. When Adam and Eve were created, it was in the perfection of the Garden of Eden. But when they left, all of humanity then would live with this anxiety that perfection is possible, but we don't live there. And so it's no wonder that we always have this nagging sense that things should be a little bit better than they are. Relationships should be a little bit better than they are. You're right. They should. Because we were created in the perfection of the Garden of Eden, but we don't live there. So we have that anxiety. And then we have the great anticipation that we are returning to Eden again. At the very end of the Bible, in Revelation 21, we find that Eden will be restored. 
God says in Revelation 21 that he's going to make everything new. In verses 3 through 5, he says, look, God's dwelling place is among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne, God says, I am making everything new. And the last chapter of of Revelation 22 is Eden restored. So we live with the anxiety from the first garden. We live with great anticipation for the next garden of Eden, but we struggle with disappointment because we live in between these two gardens. Well, there's another garden in the Bible that I think we can find some hope in. And maybe even some perspective as we're dealing with our disappointments. In Mark chapter 14, we find Jesus Christ in the garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus says, when he's in this garden, and he knows that his disciples will disappoint him. And he knows that the world events that are coming up just ahead of him will disappoint him. And maybe even he's seeing the plan of the crucifixion and maybe even he's wrestling. Does it have to be this way? So Jesus goes into this garden of Gethsemane right before he's arrested, right before he is beaten, right before he is crucified. And he says to his disciples in verse 32, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Jesus says in verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and he prayed, if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he says, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. And boy, do I relate to those words of Jesus. I relate to those words of Jesus in the hard everyday stuff. When disappointments seem to roll in and out of my life, when I'm disappointed in those people that I love the most, the very people that build me up can also let me down in the most heartbreaking ways. I wrote a book on rejection. And then as I was doing the final edits of the page proofs of that book right before it came out, I suffered one of the worst relationship rejections that I'd ever suffered in my life. And I held the pages of that book to my chest with tears streaming down my face. And I said almost these exact same words that Jesus said, God, everything is possible for you. Take this from me. Don't let this be part of my story. I think it's interesting that Jesus tells the disciples, Peter, James, and John, to stay here and keep watch. And I always thought that maybe he was saying, stay here and watch because I know a regiment is about to come and they're about to arrest me. But I wonder if maybe it was part of that. But maybe also because I know he just went a stone's throw away from them. Could Jesus have possibly be saying, stay here and watch how I wrestle well in this moment of utter sorrow 
deep disappointment. Stay here and watch me. And Jesus says, God, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Do you know that Jesus in this garden, he's surrounded by olive trees. Gethsemane means the pressing of the olive. There's three truths about the olive tree that I want you to know. Because when the harsh realities of utter disappointments in your relationships come, I want you to remember this moment when Jesus spoke these words. The olive tree will never produce fruit unless the harsh winds of the east and the refreshing winds of the west blow upon it. The harsh winds of the east are those desert winds that are so hot, it'll take your breath away. And then the refreshing winds come up from the Mediterranean, so cool, it's the most welcome, refreshing moment to have that breeze blow on you. But the olive tree will not produce fruit unless it has both hard times and good times, and the same is true for us. The second thing is once it does produce fruit, the olive comes, the olive is not useful straight from the tree. It's too hard and it's too bitter. The olive has to be plucked from the tree. It has to be cracked open slightly. It has to be salted and then it has to be soaked in the water. It's quite a process to get rid of hardness and bitterness. And the same is true for us. The human heart has to be salted with the truth and soaked in the experience of the living water of God himself so that we can get rid of hardness and bitterness. And the third truth about the olive tree is that when the olive is there, the most valuable part of the olive is not the fruit itself. The most valuable part of the olive is when the olive is literally destroyed beyond recognition so that oil can come from that olive. And oil is the only thing that can then be turned into light. And the same is true for our hard, crushing times as well. It's those times that will produce an oil that will allow us to have a story of experiencing God that can become light to others that are in such darkness. You see, in this kind of context, is it possible that maybe disappointment isn't at all the way we look at it? Maybe disappointment is an unexpectedly wonderful gift from God. Because if we are ever satisfied by lesser loves on this side of eternity, we would have no need to greatly desire the great lover of our soul, God himself. And maybe our disappointments provide an opportunity for both the harsh winds and the refreshing winds to allow us to produce some kind of fruitful life that is beneficial not only for us to have a sweeter perspective and a deep yearning for God, but also so that the oil that comes from the disappointments and devastations and utter distraught moments of our life, when that oil comes, it becomes light which when put in the darkness of the context of this world between two gardens, maybe our disappointments are a gift. It really all comes down to this one last thing that I'll point out that Jesus said. Jesus in great sorrow, utterly disappointed that his disciples kept falling asleep, 
devastated as he looked at the plan that was about to unfold before him. I don't think it was that Jesus was going to be beaten. I don't think it was even that he was going to suffer all the physical angst that he was about to suffer. I think Jesus in this moment, what was causing him so much distress is Jesus never knew what the weight of sin felt like. And now he would. And not only would he take on the sins of the world and that enormous weight, he would then be separated from his father as his father would have to turn his face and Jesus would face this alone. God, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. And then Jesus utters nine earth-shaking, hell-shattering, demon-quaking words. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Disappointment. Is it a devastation or is it a gift? I think it all comes down to which perspective will we hold on to, my will or thy will. God bless. I always enjoy listening to Lisa. She brings such a good perspective, some memorable thoughts about how we can approach this. And I, and I just hope in your own life there's some nuggets here that you were able to pull out of what it looks like for you to, to work through the disappointment and to see that God's trying to use that in your life. He's trying to use that to sanctify you, to shape you, to help you continue in your growth, to help you as you think about the relationships you're in. How are you going to be a better friend? How are you going to be a better parent? or spouse? How are you going to lead better within the workplace? How are we going to be the kind of people that cultivate great relationships? As Christians, you know, we don't totally get a pass on this. There are disappointments that happen in relationships, but certainly we should know how to lead that. We should know how to confront that. We should know how to work through that and restore and build relationships back. That's something we can offer to the world that many people in the world don't understand. They, they think if they've been crossed once, they're done. But in the Christian community, we don't get to do that. And so there's another way yet again for us to be countercultural and be hospitable and the kinds of people that extend hospitality, even maybe when it's not deserved, even when we've been hurt. And so consider in your own life, is there somebody like that? Is there a relationship that, wow, now you've got a different perspective on it. You're going to reach back out, maybe send them a text or make that phone call or, or shoot an email and, and schedule time together where you can appreciate that person again, where you can actually walk back into their life and rebuild and restore and renew. This is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot. Remember, the talks you hear on Q Ideas come from a variety of Q conferences and events. As a subscriber to the Q Media platform, those talks, as well as a variety of exclusive podcasts and curated content, is available to help you stay curious, think well, and advance good right where you are. Subscribe at qideas.org. And there you can also learn about this coming spring's Q 2020 in Nashville, April 22nd through the 24th. Again, visit qideas.org for all the details. You know, not only does the issue of disappointing relationships come to a head at the holidays, and so does the issue of loneliness. In fact, in our culture, some are calling loneliness an epidemic. 
Have you ever thought about how you could help yourself and others address the matter? A few weeks ago, we started a new round of Q dinners, and we'd like to encourage you, even with the busyness of the Christmas season, to host one in your home. And Gabe, it's an opportunity for us to address the loneliness epidemic. And we want to be a part of solving that, and we believe that starts by gathering together. Now, it's really simple. When you do a Q dinner, all that means you're not paying anything for that. This is just something we want to help you do and equip you to do. And you invite anywhere from 6 to 10 to 12 people over for dinner. Now, it's important this dinner be around the table, a place you can sit and have conversation. But in advance of of the dinner and actually eating the meal, you're going to watch a nine-minute talk. We're providing you with that talk. I introduce it. The talk is by Senator Ben Sass, and it describes the deaths that are taking place amongst middle-aged people aged 35 to 55. The CDC calls it deaths of despair. It's the first time in American history where we're seeing, since this has been tracked, two years in a row where the life expectancy is dropping for men in our society. Now, why is that? Well, he describes why and actually calls us towards how we can be a part of the solution in our communities. Hey, Gabe, let's play a sample of that talk. Epidemic of deaths of despair among us is just a canary in the coal mine of the much larger epidemic of loneliness in our time. How is it possible that the net average life expectancy in the U.S. is going down? We're killing ourselves. It's an important talk, and we encourage you to use it as a host of a Q dinner to join with Q and seek ways to address the issue right in your community. Be a part of Q. Don't just listen to the content, take this in, enjoy these podcasts without knowing how you can actually create space for more people to experience this. And Q dinners is the perfect way to do it. You simply go to Q dinners. Dot com. You can fill out your information. Let us know that you're interested. We'll immediately follow up and give you the details. We give you a digital PDF guide on how to host this night. We give you questions to ask. Then we'll help you know how you get access to this talk through our Q Media platform so that you can play it for people. It's an exciting thing. This is something we're going to be doing for the next many years because we see it as essential to empowering you, the listener, the participant, to know how to take these conversations forward. We also know the people around you are going to enjoy it so much because there's less space for this to take place. So be a leader with us. Be a part of Q in this way, not just listening, but now leading. And so we thank you for being a part of that. And as always, continue to listen to this podcast. Invite your friends to subscribe. Leave a comment or two. Tell us what you think about these podcasts. Are these important to you? Are you enjoying them? Are there more topics that you would like to hear? Feel free to email us anytime at info at QIdeas to give us even more feedback and ways we can make this better for you. But thank you for being a part of this community as we continue to stay curious, think well, and advance good. This program is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.